So uh, thank you everyone for joining. This is a uh, collaboration between IPSF Euro and Next to celebrate the International Day of Women and Girls in Science. So welcome to the Women in Science panel discussion. Uh, for you today, we have prepared three speakers who will first introduce themselves, so share a bit about their background and their career. And afterwards, we will proceed to the panel discussion. Uh, we have gathered questions from the forum and from the Instagram um, stories, but if you have any more questions, please drop them in the chat below. So without any further ado, uh, please welcome our first speaker, Ms. Bianca. And Ms. Bianca, you can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, thank you, Philip, for introducing me. Uh, and uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm uh, really happy to be here with all of you uh, and happy to give back to um, pharmacy and not only students. Uh, I'm Bianca Boluzzo. I come originally from Romania, but now I'm based in Brussels. Uh, I'm a pharmacist by training since uh, 2019, uh, but with a master's degree in international health policy um, at London School of Economics. Uh, I must admit that I identify myself more with the health policy background than with the pharmacy one. Um, but I, I must admit that uh, the pharmacy training and the faculty was essential for my development and uh, for who I am now and what I'm working on. Uh, during the faculty, I was um, I had the opportunity to be part of the National Student Association in, uh, in Romania, and that really changed my <laughs> career path. Uh, it uh, came with a lot of responsibility, uh, with a lot of work as a as, as a job mainly, but it also expanded and broadened my expertise and my knowledge. Uh, it helped me develop my network of professionals and also uh, gave me the opportunity to see other parts of the pharmacy, maybe the one that it can, can't be seen during the uh, formal education in the faculty. So um, afterwards, I joined a, a pharmaceutical company. Uh, I worked in the market access field. Um, so I was in charge with uh, pricing and reimbursement for oncological products in Romania. Uh, I stayed there for three years, but then I felt that I need some international experience and also to expand my, my expertise in the access part because I was passionate about access, I'm, I still am, <laughs> access of, uh, uh, to medicines for, for, uh, for patients. So uh, I went to London for the master's degree and it was also a transformative experience because uh, I managed to to gain knowledge, theoretical, but also practical, and also to be part uh, of a multicultural uh, environment that allowed me to see what happens in other parts of the world. So for me, that was essential. Uh, and after this experience uh, as, a, as a student in, uh, in um, I think I, I was a little bit too idealistic uh, and also a little bit naive that, okay, I want to change this, the healthcare system in Romania. I didn't change it, but I still have time, so uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm young enough to to still uh, go back there and to to help. Um, I stayed there for almost a year, working on the since um, uh, department, basically on access, but also uh, reform projects with the European Commission. Um, I think that it was a learning experience. I managed to see what can be done, what is the reality. Uh, on the ground, so a little bit of reality check in terms of uh, policies, but it was also um, a sort of frustrating experience that I wanted to do more, 
but I didn't have exactly the context. So mainly that was the reason I, I, I left at that point in time. Um, and after this experience, I, I had a chance to see how is the impact on the ground, so a tangible impact. And then I said, okay, I need an international experience. The impact from the public sector at the European level um, is like. So it was a little bit of a, another angle of the public sector uh, impact, so more macro uh, level at the European um, uh, in the European institution. Uh, so I, I have been working uh, in the Commission uh, for the last uh, five months. Um, and it, it is still a, a, an, an amazing experience. I had, uh, I think I, I would say that I had luck to be in a team that really um, allowed me to contribute, to, to use my expertise and my knowledge also from the national government to, to really have an impact on the policies that are being designed at the European level. And I received a lot of freedom and a lot of um, empowerment to, to contribute as a normal um, member of the... Uh, and now I'm in Brussels and um, I, I, I will stay on the, act, the, the health part. So I will continue on the health policy because that's my, uh, my expertise for the moment. Um, basically, it uh, somehow my... my my main mantra to say so in uh, looking for experiences and choosing experiences professionally speaking is like to have uh, to be meaningful experiences and to also have a, a bigger purpose than the individual one okay so i have these resources how i can give back to society and to the the people that basically need it and uh, I think that's a little bit my background educationally and professionally. I hope I covered it, uh, but I'm open for other questions if uh, needed. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. I really like that mantra. Uh, it's something we can all uh, like uh, bring into our own lives and our careers. If you have any questions for Ms. Bianca, please uh, feel free to drop them in the chat and uh, we will answer those during the panel discussion. And now moving on to the second speaker, uh, Ms. Emma Paulina, you may take the floor. Hi, everyone. So my name is Emma. I'm a pharmacist from Portugal. Uh, I did bring some um, slides or pictures, so I will share my screen. Uh, okay. Sorry. Okay, so I did prepare these uh, uh, some of these slides for another uh, session on gender equity, actually, and it was around uh, the time when uh, the last season of the Game of Thrones um, uh, series came out. So I'm sorry about the <laughs> the topic. Well, the atmosphere. But basically, um, uh, I will not go into detail in terms of uh, equality and equity, but because we are talking about women and um, uh, women in, uh, and girls in science, uh, I think that this is an underlying topic, which I, I believe is very important in terms of uh, what is equality and what is equity and why we are discussing this still 
an age uh, and uh, um, just to uh, acknowledge that there are many definitions around the world and some people use equality some people use equity in terms of uh, when we are talking about uh, women uh, and um, uh, and uh, gender issues, uh, so I thought I'd br- bring some uh, topics before I introduce myself. Uh, so uh, basically, um, like I said, uh, sometimes they're used interchangeably, uh, but uh, um, in in a way they're not completely the same. Uh, and I think that it is important when we are talking about these issues to um, understand uh, the differences between equality and equity uh, when we are talking about women's um, uh, rights and uh, the uh, opportunities uh, that they have uh, when we are talking about specifically science. Uh, and when we are talking about uh, equality, usually what we mean is that uh, we want to uh, achieve equality as the end goal, uh, and equity is really the means to get there. So I think that it is important, the terminology, and uh, I guess that we will be able to speak a little bit more about that probably uh, during the panel. Um, uh to me. So uh, I thought that I'd bring to you some uh, pictures to talk about myself uh, because history is important. So uh, I thought I'd bring you first a picture of my grandparents. And these are my grandparents uh, that you see in the first picture there. Uh, It was approximately 60 years ago. uh, And just to uh, let you know that they were both uh, pharmacists and they opened their uh, first pharmacy in Almada. That's where I'm from, which is a city uh, across uh, the river from Lisbon. Uh, And uh, they were truly the inspiration for me to become a pharmacist um, because I got to understand and uh, uh, grow up in an environment uh, that clearly depicted the importance that pharmacists have in terms of promoting individual health uh, and in terms of the impact that the pharmacist has in society, particularly when we are practicing in community pharmacy. Uh, So I thought it was important to bring my grandparents' uh, picture uh, here just for you to understand how, uh, how I did go into pharmacy. Then that's my mom and me in the second picture. So I was the uh, first baby. And actually, this is my birthday today. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, a picture not um, uh, many months after I was born in 1976. Uh, then the third picture is me and my brother and my sister. And the reason why I thought I'd bring this photo uh, is because both my brother and my sister are also pharmacists. So we are the third generation pharmacist because my mom is also a pharmacist. And now my oldest nephew, uh, which is the only one that's in university, still he's also in pharmacy school. Uh, Actually, he's in the same year as uh, Marta, uh, who's uh, also participating in this call. Um, But the reason why me and my brother and my sister went into I'm sure it was the same reason I already described to you. It was really about influence and growing up in an environment where we saw the importance, uh, but also the responsibility that community pharmacists have in terms of um, uh, impacting on uh, uh, people's uh, health. Then uh, I brought you another picture. This is from um, uh, high school. Uh, And the reason why I thought I'd bring you uh, a picture from high school is because this is from a meeting from the Pharmacy Association. 
And this is when I started uh, in pharmacy, in, um, sorry, not pharmacy association, so high school uh, students association. So this is when I uh, we start, I started uh, in um, student associations uh, and it really was something that uh, I was really engaged with uh, and something that stuck with me afterwards um, uh, as you will see in my uh, professional career. So then uh, the other picture it's uh, me and the fellow uh, pharmacy student a colleague from the University of Lisbon uh, and we uh, this is a picture of one of the sessions that we organized while whilst I was in um, in the students association at the faculty of pharmacy at the University of Lisbon uh, we went to uh, different uh, schools and high schools uh, and to talk about HIV at that time it was a big uh, issue and a big topic at uh, at the time uh, so we went to high schools and uh, we uh, introduced the topic of sexual health, which uh, wasn't something that uh, uh, teachers were very comfortable with. Uh, and we talked uh, about the use of condoms and how you could protect yourself from um, infection, sexual uh, and sexual other sexual transmitted diseases. So um, I continued uh, in the um, pharmacy associ in the pharmacy students association at school. Then I went on to become president of the Portuguese uh, Pharmacy Association. And that is when uh, I then started attending the international um, uh, conferences, student conferences like IPSF and uh, EPSA. Uh, and uh, after a while, I became secretary general of uh, EPSA, so the European Pharmacy Students uh, Federation association uh, and I moved to Leiden in the Netherlands where the permanent office for the EPSA was at that time uh, and uh, that is when I also did my practice period uh, in uh, the Netherlands so in a pharmacy in a community pharmacy in the Netherlands so that was a really good opportunity to get to know community pharmacies outside Portugal, because I already knew uh, community pharmacy in Portugal. So I spent a year there. I, like I said, I was secretary general of EPSA. I was during, uh, doing my practice period. Um, and I was also introduced to pharmacy practice research, which uh, in which I'm also still involved uh, in right now. So uh, when I was in uh, the Netherlands, uh, I visited uh, the office of the International Pharmaceutical Federation. And at that time, uh, the FIP, the International Pharmaceutical Federation, which represents pharmacists, pharmacy educators and pharmaceutical scientists around the world, they were very interested uh, in uh, attracting younger people to the organization uh, and engaging with younger people. So basically, when I visited their office, they asked me for some uh, for some ideas and uh, how we could uh, involve more pharmacy students in the organization early on and how we could uh, attract young pharmacists to the organization. So after a while, I came back to Portugal, I started practicing and I got a phone call from the Secretary General of the FIP at that time. And he invited me to relaunch the Young Pharmacists Group uh, in the FIP. Uh, so uh, I participated in that uh, effort along um, 
alongside two colleagues of mine. Uh, and uh, I became a project coordinator of the YPG, which is the picture you could see there. I think this one was uh, at a conference in New Orleans, I believe. Uh, and then uh, I was project coordinator for two years and then president uh, chairperson of the Young Pharmacists Group um, um, of the FIP uh, for one year. After that, uh, I continued uh, with the um, uh, with the my engagement in the International Pharmaceutical Federation, and this is a picture. Uh, I believe it was maybe five or six years ago. Uh, I became the first women uh, woman uh, uh, that was uh, part of the executive committee of the FIP in 100 years of history. I I even didn't know about that before I became. Uh, one, uh, but it was quite impressive that in 100 years of history, um, no women have ever been part of the executive committee. Uh, so, uh, and uh, this was uh, a picture, like I said, maybe five years ago, and you can already see that uh, we see a lot of younger people uh, and the women, which was something that the Federation really wanted when we launched the Young Pharmacists Group um, in 2005. Uh, so I think that we really achieved um, some uh, rejuvenation, uh, rejuvenating the, the organization uh, in a, um, a, a while. At the same time, as I was doing my uh, my uh, career, uh, if we can call it that, at the International Pharmaceutical Federation, uh, I also um, I practice as a community pharmacist in Portugal. I have my own uh, community pharmacies along with alongside my my brother and my sister. Uh, I do pharmacy practice research, so I am a man member of the board of the Pharmaceutical Care Network Europe. I was president two years ago. Uh, I also um, uh, I also launched alongside my husband, who's also a pharmacist. We launched uh, three companies in, uh, in Portugal um, to help community pharmacists uh, implement pharmaceutical care uh, services and interventions. Uh, so I'm also uh, involved in that. And um, uh, at the national level, I became uh, I I was for a number of years after I after I finished my university degree, I was a member of the board of the National Pharmacy Association, which is the owners association in Portugal. Then I became president of the South Branch for the registration organization in Portugal, the pharmacists uh, registration organi organization, which is the pharmaceutical society. Then I became a member of the, the national board. And then two years ago, I, um, uh, me and the, uh, some colleagues, we, uh, we ran for election for the National Pharmacy Association board. Uh, and I'm now president of that uh, organization uh, since one and a half years ago, uh, which has been quite a challenge. It's, uh, it's quite a big organization, but it's really been um, also a very interesting learning experience. So in terms of the, sorry, I spent so much time talking about myself, but uh, I have a few more years experience uh, than the previous uh, speaker. So uh, I had to try to summarize it a little bit, but I'm more than happy to, uh, to then um, expand on any of these experiences if you're uh, interested in. Uh, and I just bought another brought another picture. Uh, this is me and some friends and my sister uh, at the coach. Uh, festival, uh, the music and arts festival uh, in um, 
in California uh, because uh, having fun is also pretty much uh, very, um, a very big part of my life as well, uh, particularly listening to music and traveling. Uh, so I thought I'd also bring uh, that about uh, myself um, to you in this initial presentation. So thank you very much again for your invitation and looking forward to expand on some of this uh, information in the panel discussion. Thank you so much, Ms. Paulino. It was really interesting to see your uh, career uh, and happy birthday. <laughs> thank you for joining us today. <laughs> Uh, if any of you participants have any questions for Ms. Emma, please uh, leave them in the chat below. And we'll proceed to the third and final speaker, Ms. Aisu. Ms. Aisu, please take the floor and I will be sharing your presentation. Okay, thank you, Philip. Uh, my name is uh, Aisu Selçuk. I am assistant professor at Ankara University and education and primary health care policy specialist at FIB. Uh, before starting my presentation, I would like to thank IPSF, European Regional Office, for inviting me to share my career journey. So we can move to next slide, please. Okay, so I graduated from Ankara University with the rank third out of 200 students. During my university life, uh, I was very particular student to attend all my classes and take notes. All my friends were waiting for my notes to study for the exams. My home was very far from the university, so I had to wake up uh, early uh, for the morning classes and came to school early not to get stuck at the traffic. And during these years, uh, one of my friends told me that I was like a, a snowdrop flower which blooms on the rocks. Uh, from the first year that I met faculty dean and vice deans, uh, I was inspired from them and wanted to become an academician, but I didn't know which pharmacy field I should choose. Uh, after taking pharmaceutical care modules, uh, I decided to continue my career with clinical pharmacy, where I can focus on patient-centered care and directly interact with patients and solve their needs through pharmacy. So I applied to Marmar University for a clinical pharmacy degree, uh, in, uh, for a master's degree. The clinical pharmacy program uh, was in under another city. So I needed to leave my comfort zone and move to the city where I live with uh, my parents and move to I always uh, seek to have the best education that I can get. At that time in Turkey, only Marmar University had the master's program with academic staff already educated in the clinical pharmacy. So you can also see some of my uh, photos from graduation and during my studies in Ankara University and Marmar University. Uh, we can move on to the next slide. Uh, so I will continue with my education again. Uh, during my master's studies, uh, I also had a chance to visit Tennessee State University to observe several hospitals and community pharmacies in the United States, and I made many friends from whom I am still in touch. Uh, this visit uh, has broadened my view that I should continue my studies abroad. Then I started looking for a scholarship for a PhD degree. I was granted Singapore International Graduate Award from the National University of Singapore, NUS. NUS is one of the highest ranking universities in the world, and the academic staff was very knowledgeable and supportive. 
during my years, I had an amazing time in Singapore. And when I, when looking back, uh, I am very lucky to have met my uh, supervisors and friends who are now uh, like family to me. So again, you can see some uh, pictures there from my PhD graduation, uh, photos with my supervisors and family, as well as uh, some hospital visits that I had a chance to see some uh, practices in United States. So next uh, slide, please. Uh, coming back today, uh, in Ankara University Faculty of Pharmacy Department of Clinical Pharmacy, I am the vice head and the first academic staff who holds a PhD degree in clinical pharmacy. I am also supporting our faculty's journal as a, one of the associate editors in clinical pharmacy. And now I have a woman, a dean, who is also very supportive to do more in science and education. Uh, you may see two of my publications that I am most proud of. The publication in our left-hand side is about inappropriate antimicrobial use in hospitals in Turkey, and, and it shows the need for pharmacist contribution to improve practice. And in the publication in our right-hand side is about the first nationwide pharmaceutical care program and CPD implementation in Turkey for community pharmacists. It is a collaborative work with the Turkish Pharmacists Association to improve community pharmacy practices for common chronic diseases uh, like diabetes, COPD, asthma, and hypertension care. So we can move to the next slide, please. And I am also working with the FIP team for more than three years. Uh, together with the FIP team, we deliver, delivered many projects that I am proud of. One of them is about enabling positive practice environments for women in science and education with FIPWISE toolkit. You can see the image of the publication in the slide. And the toolkit identifies factors associated with the positive practice environments and provides solutions for policymakers, managers, employers, and professionals worldwide. And during FIP Congress last year in Seville, I had the chance to meet several women who had many achievements, innovations, and significant impacts in pharmacy and pharmaceutical sciences. You can see the image of these moments as well in the slides. And they are the fifth rising stars. And I am very proud of coordinating this project and meeting those uh, impactful women. And next slide, please. So besides my academic career, I also have some social activities. Uh, one of my fashion, uh, passion uh, has always been dancing, especially the Turkish folk dance. I really wanted to join university so that I could uh, also join a student group for folk dance. But when I started the university, uh, I saw there was no such group in our faculty. And in my first year, I got support from the faculty and students representatives to establish the first folk dance club in our faculty. And when I went to Singapore for my PhD, I met members of, uh, of the Singapore Turkey Friendship Associations, which organized volunteer events to participate in Singapore Parade. And I volunteered to teach folk dance to Turkish and Singaporean people to perform together with the professional dancers in the Singapore Parade. So you can see the image on your left-hand side from the uh, Singapore Parade. 
And I was also a cluster leader in my dormitory in Singapore. This is my first experience that I am staying in dormitory after many years of education in uh, university. So together with uh, my cluster team, we won health uh, food competition. And now uh, I am also uh, our faculty's representative for community contribution activities. So we are trying to improve health literacy and also support our community to improve medication use. And th there's an image you can see in the right hand side. It is uh, from the from our visit uh, for a rural secondary school to improve students about uh, awareness about rational medication use. So next slide please. So during my career, I met many great leaders and professors. Uh, you may see some familiar faces there. Uh, so also their uh, names are in the slide, so I will not uh, name them uh, one by one. But without their support and acting as a role model, I wouldn't be able to achieve so many things. And I also would like to thank my family, who has always supported me throughout my uh, life. I hope uh, I was able to give you a glimpse of who I am as a person. And again, I would like to thank you for the opportunity. And I'm happy to answer uh, questions uh, from the audience. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Aisu, for uh, sharing with us. It was truly an amazing uh, presentation. So for all the participants, if you have any questions for Ms. Aisu or for any of the speakers, please leave them in the comments below. I'm sure you're uh, as much as impressed with them, their careers as much as I am. And we will now proceed to the panel discussion. Uh, so for this, I would like to introduce Ms. Susana Fernando, uh, who is the IPSF Euro uh, Public Health Coordinator, as uh, Ms. Marta Tendeiro, uh, who is the IPSF Euro uh, Project Assistant, who will be joining me in the panel discussion. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, the first question, uh, which was submitted by the uh, participants, was uh, why did you choose your field of work? So, uh, oops. So for this, uh, I would first like to call Miss uh, Bianca. So, why did you choose your uh, field of work? Uh, thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, I think that first of all, when I chose to join the Faculty of Pharmacy, was mainly because I wanted to help and I wanted to give back and to be in the service to, to those that's needed. Um, during the faculty, then uh, I realized that I'm passionate about systemical changes. Uh, or systemical reforms. So um, my my aim back then was, okay, how can I have a more systemic impact? And I think that that's why I chose the, the policy part. Um, and it was also because I, I, I was exposed due to my uh, involvement in the um, NGO uh, for students. I was exposed to different uh, roles of the pharmacists in the healthcare system, or in the health systems to say so. Besides the one that we already um, were studying in, in the faculty. Um, and back then, I, and I think it uh, still is the case for Romania, uh, is that the health needs, um, the health system needs uh, reforms, needs uh, not only incremental changes, but really uh, huge changes. And I said, okay, uh, I may want to, to, to learn about the, the policy part in order to be able to help Romania as a country, as a health uh, system. And I was also exposed to different countries that had pharmacies around 
the healthcare system. For example, in, in other countries than Romania, there are a lot of pharmacy students in the regulatory, in the pricing and reimbursement authorities, in the health insurance institutions. And I think that we are essential in each part of the health system. Um, and that's why I chose the, the main, main, basically my, my field of work to, to try to have a, a systemic impact um, in society or I don't know, it depends on where I, where I activate. Um, and it was also because it was something that is, it, it was not the usual thing that we were taught to do. Uh, and it was a new uh, field, a new domain. Uh, it required very, um, I don't know, very, a, a lot of self-directed learning, uh, additional to what I've learned in the faculty. Um, it was more challenging, but I think it was uh, a lot of exploration and a lot of curiosity in trying new things. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, then uh, we go to Miss Emma Paulina. So why did you just, uh, choose this career? We saw you are you come from a line of pharmacists, but why did you specifically choose this career? So yes, so I, I knew I wanted to be a pharmacist since I was a little girl. So uh, because uh, and I and I went to the pharmacy after school and I loved the uh, the compounding, the talk, interacting with people. I loved that it was also had the, like a management part of it um uh in the in the back office uh but then uh but I, I really enjoyed everything at school so i really enjoyed uh all subjects at school uh so the being part of a students association really allowed me to expand on my other types of skills uh in terms of organization time management um oh, and also that systemic part uh impact that Bianca was talking about, which we can also have uh, whilst we are uh, in the, in organizations that represent indiv individuals or companies or enterprises or whatever. Uh, so I really got, um, I, I really enjoyed that part. So I, I and then when I tried uh, research, I really enjoyed that as well. So, um, uh, so yeah, and uh, I, and I, I really want to have a bigger impact. Uh, also, I wanted to have a bigger impact in terms of driving uh, pharmacy forward and advancing pharmacy practice in pharmaceutical care. So I guess that's why today I'm practicing at a community pharmacy. I'm uh, an entrepreneur with my husband in terms of um, initiatives to advance pharmacy practice and implement uh uh, practice changes, also doing some uh, research and also being part of an organization. So I managed to do all of this whilst being a pharmacist. Uh, so I think that uh, these uh, in um, uh, my involvement in these different uh, aspects uh, in the pharmacy world has allowed me to to really exercise uh, um, a very large um, uh, set of skills and uh, uh, always keep myself motivated and stimulated in terms of uh, learning new things, interacting with new people. And uh, yeah, and um, also uh, that uh, interesting mix of impacting individual health whilst I'm interacting with people in the community pharmacy, but also 
influencing at the political level when I'm talking to the health minister or when I'm participating at WHO assemblies. So uh, that's a mix of the public health and systemic change and also the individual outcomes. Uh, and I really like to combine uh, both. Uh, because I really think that it's uh, like a synergy in terms of um, the narrative that I have and the knowledge that I apply both at the community pharmacy, but then the or other organizations and, uh, and um, places where I'm at. Uh, it's really uh, good to have the practice experience uh, uh, alongside uh, also having developed myself in terms of uh, the more the political and the research aspects uh, as well. Great, thank you for your insight. Yes, it seems all three of the speakers started from like a student association and then developed their career, which is really interesting. And also called to the participants to join IPSF and other student associations. <laughs> okay, and moving on to Ms. Aisu, why did you choose your uh, career? So uh, I decided to work in clinical pharmacy field because it, uh, it is where I can contribute to direct patient care. And I always want to do more for those who need better quality of care. And being in clinical pharmacy field helps me to provide patient-centered care and focus on scientific studies to improve uh, pharmacy practice. And uh, I also wanted to work in academia and at FIP to improve our profession through partnerships, education, and science. As working with one of the leading pharmacy organizations, uh, we are able to support our colleagues and students to achieve their aims and thus uh, advance pharmacy worldwide. So having a two role, uh, one in academia and FIP also helped me uh, to feed in each roles because what I learned in academia, I can use uh, for FIP and what I learned in, at FIP, I can also use in academia so that I can also do my uh, work uh, better with, in a high quality. Amazing, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. thank you. Okay, so hi everyone. Uh, and my question, which are two questions, uh, is what were the biggest obstacles you had to overcome? And did you ever think that it would be easier or harder if you were a male? And I'll give the floor to Miss Emma first. Um, I think that uh, our worst enemy is all, always ourselves. <laughs> so uh, really, I, um, uh, whilst I was reflecting on this uh, question, uh, really, I think that I'm a very optimist person. So I always see like the glass full, the half glass full, uh, instead of the half glass empty. So actually, um, I think that in my throughout my career, I think I had a lot of opportunities because because I was a woman and because I was young uh, and uh, because people were more aware of the need to include diversity. And this was something that was uh, already achieved by the generations that preceded us. Um, uh, and, um, and I think that there was more awareness about that need. So that was the topic of the discussion when the secretary general called me at the FIP office and said, we need more young people and we need, we need more women in the organization. Particularly, we have white old men in the organization. So we want to change that um, uh, for the organization. So I think that me uh, 
uh, being um, always having said yes to challenges. Uh, and uh, at the same time, uh, that awareness about inclusivity uh, and the fact that, and I, I'm not saying, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not here being modest. I'm not just saying that it, it was simply chance or uh, opportunity. Uh, uh, I, I think that I also worked a lot for that. I worked uh, to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, I always fought to be sitting at the table uh, when the important discussions were held. Uh, and I always prepared myself very well for discussions and for any meetings I attended. So, of course, it had uh, an individual component to it, um, uh, but it, it was also about context. And in some circumstances, I do think that being actually being a female and being young in a male, um, uh, older um sector, uh, it was kind of uh, refreshing for some time, maybe sometimes. Uh, but now that I think about it, I do think that there, there were a lot of uh, some uh, um, unconscious bias, <laughs> if I can say so myself. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think that I had to be better prepared than any, anyone else because people expected to hear from me in the discussions and they had uh, expected to hear something clever and thoughtful. Uh, so whilst there were other people sitting at the table and they weren't asked uh, to contribute and they were, weren't expected to, they just were there and they they kind of belonged there. Whereas uh, for me, I do think that I had to be extra prepared and I had to uh, to go the extra mile. Uh, but, uh, but I think there, there was a mix of um, facilitators and uh, not barriers, but uh, a, a lot of work to to be done to then be able to say, okay, I, I got here, and uh, maybe it was because you noticed me because I was a woman and because I was young, but now that I'm here, uh, you'd better listen because I have something important to say, uh, and I think that that's what dominated, I, I believe, uh, in terms of my involvement and uh, and career. Thank you, Miss Emma. I have. I hope every young woman got empowered by these words. Now I'll give the floor to Miss Aisu. Hey, thank you, Marta. So actually, uh, I was very lucky to have my uh, family and environment in Turkey because I never felt or experienced any gender discrimination myself or someone says that I cannot do it because I am female. But I know uh, many who had such obstacles and I was raised in an environment where I can follow my passion with endless support, which also gives me motivation to work hard to achieve my goals. And I also agree with Emma. Uh, we, we are, I always look for the right time to be in the right place uh, to achieve uh, such uh, uh, things. And also I know that important, I know uh, how important it is. So I am trying to create an environment for newer generations to pursue their practice without any discrimination. Because if you don't uh, experience it, you feel more confident and you will, will have more encouraging environment. But if you are facing it, it will be more uh, difficult to do uh, achievements uh, in your uh, field. And for the obstacle part, after leaving my country to go abroad, 
Uh, one of my biggest obstacles is to adapt a new environment in Singapore to get one of the best education in clinical pharmacy. Uh, the studies were completely in English, which I never experienced before, and I was there to do PhD level studies. And I wouldn't say uh, this obstacle again is related with being a woman, but it is more about uh, your personality, your view, than a gender uh, difference. Thank you. Thank you for your invitation, Ms. Aisu. Uh, I'll give the floor now to Ms. Bianca. Thank you, Marta. Uh, I feel like we are on the, on the right track. Uh, I mean, the future seems very optimistic. Uh, and I agree with uh, also with Aisu and Emma. Uh, I think that from my perspective, I, I, I didn't feel I didn't feel any uh, gender inequality, um, I don't know, issue, I would say there. But what I really felt uh, compared, I mean, maybe in the opposition with what Emma was saying, uh, I really felt that young part you are young, so there is a mistrust there, but you are young at around 24. When I was 24, um, I, I felt that. And I think it's, a, unfortunately, it's still seen as a, as a default, as a normal thing. Uh, you don't see it as a discrimination yet, or at least I, I, I don't think that people are seeing it like like that but i think it somehow adds up to to the what is still happening with the gender inequality but i i had situations where i felt that because i was young there was a um, mistrust there or people weren't sure about that so i needed to prove uh so yeah indeed i had to work uh, harder or and smarter uh, which was not a problem but I felt like the people that were thinking, okay, you are young, I don't know what to think about it, was not based on facts and evidence, which I really like. They were based on a mindset or a cultural and history um, history um, issue. So that's why I think in the future, we also need to build on that and to really heal that part of, okay, you are, we are, you are young, but what matter if you have the competence and the knowledge? Um, but I think that those were the obstacles that I felt not because I was a female, but because I was young compared with other participants to the, I don't know, discussion or projects. Thank you, Ms. Bianca. Hi, everyone. I hope you are all well. So I have another question for our speakers. Um, what kind of prejudice, if any, did you have to face how did, how did that make you feel? And where are you able to overcome this? So, and now I want to give the words to Miss Asu, please. Uh, thank you, Susanna. So when I was young, I was very a uh, quiet person. And so sometimes uh, people can underestimate me before knowing me better. Because someone is quiet, we usually <laughs> don't think that they, they can achieve uh, some of the things, especially in the environment that I grow up. Uh, then people think that I wasn't able to do the things that I achieved today. So this uh, make me feel less confident when I was start uh, new things. But today, uh, with my increased self-confidence and awareness, uh, of course, this is not an issue for me, but uh, for younger myself, maybe it is a big issue, which uh, lowers my uh, confidence to start the new things. Thank you, <laughs> Susanna. 
thank you so much for your sharing. Now I give the word to uh, Miss Bianca, please. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you for the for the question. I would I would I would still keep uh, this part of actually young to be the youngest person in the room. And also during the faculty, I was my attitude was a little bit okay. We need to talk about what is not working, uh, what we where we should uh, intervene to make things better, which was not really comfortable for my professors. And I think that one of the prejudices that I, I encountered is that they were expecting that okay, I would say what is not working, uh, but I I'm not studying so. At the beginning, when they when they when they said that I'm also studying very hard and I'm um, I'm taking good marks, but also I'm saying what is not working, um, it was different. But the beginning, the attitude was okay. You are saying a lot, but let's see you uh, when you when we will have exams or so on. And I think I I mean the feeling also with the young part and uh, this the other part was mainly frustration. Because I mean, it's something that bothers me a lot is the unfairness. So when you know that this is unfair, or at least the opinion is not based on um, evidence, as I was saying, it felt very frustrating. It was not fair. And I think that as a young person back in the faculty, I had some troubles in finding the mechanisms to actually um, get through this and continue my my work and my my dreams because i'm also the person that you you close the door i will enter on the the through the window so um it i think it it um it took some time to actually find my mechanisms to to um go uh, ahead even though i had some obstacles or people that put me down Thank you so much. Uh, now back to me. So I know you already touched a bit upon this question, but uh, looking back, have you ever had any achievement in your life for the sake of proving that you could do it despite being a woman? So and I would uh, give the floor to Miss Bianca first. Um, I'm coming back to the, I think that the nuances are important. I think that uh, I, I didn't have uh, anything to prove that I'm a, because I'm a woman I needed to prove more but because I was a young woman uh, I needed to prove more so it was a lot about that um, but you know as, I, as Emma was saying I, I'm optimistic and I think that um, this is just up to one point I mean th yeah that's maybe you need to prove for a period of time or but up to one point when they know about you or you are okay also with yourself you as uh, I used to were saying the self-confidence and the self uh, self-esteem is on the right level and that's when you realize that okay you don't need to prove anything you just need to do your thing and people that want to see will see uh, and maybe if people don't see it maybe that's not your place Amazing. Thank you. I really love that. Uh, Miss Emma, do you have anything to add? Yes. Um, well, uh, I would agree with uh, Bianca uh, that in FIP, when I started, it was mostly about being young, not so much as being a woman. Well, maybe a, a little bit 
being a woman, but particularly being young. And I uh, remember that uh, at that time, there was a, a lot of interest from the board to really um, bring young people into the organization. So they told me that uh, if we wanted the young pharmacist group, uh, we could uh, press on having a change in the statutes that would um, ensure that there was a quota for young pharmacists to be part of the different boards in the different sections in FIP. And at that moment, I said, no, uh, uh, we are going to have young people there, but we are not going to do it through quotas. So, um, uh, yeah, we really worked hard uh, in terms of identifying young pharmacists for the different sections and to put them there. And um, uh, and we did achieve that for, for, for the vast majority of uh, things. So I, I would agree that uh, it's just... Um, Facing that uh, initial, uh, that initial, um, well, not a barrier, but an initial push, and uh, and uh, and then and moving forward and really preparing people, uh, and then uh, when the people are good, uh, then uh, you you get other people to listen to them because they bring another perspective, and uh, so that's why having young is always good in uh, in organizations i must say however that um i have uh, i haven't noticed that for uh, a big part of my career and a big part of my uh experience in these last uh, 20 to 20 something years but being a, a president of the national pharmacy association now uh i do perceive the glass ceiling a little bit more than I used to. I must uh, I must tell you something that I had never um, experienced. So I've been noticing a little bit more that men tend to interrupt women uh, much more than they tend to interrupt men when they're talking. And I've been noticing that in meetings where I'm uh, almost always the, the only woman or second woman there. And I, I, I do notice this. And uh, uh, we, of course, uh, there's a lot that has been done, but uh, when we look at the uh, statistics, we still see that that in a world dominated by women, like being health um, healthcare professionals, uh, a huge percentage uh, of um, uh, of the top positions are still occupied by men, and, and I do think that it's um, there's a lot of um reasons why that occurs including the um um some of the networking that occurs for men uh, that usually um uh, does not provide the same space for women to participate and also i i believe that there's um uh, women usually tend to think a lot when they're asked to embrace uh, certain challenges and um they often feel unprepared uh and we uh, i think that we most often feel like the imposter syndrome like now that i'm here even when we do accept now that i'm here uh maybe i don't have the skills and i have i don't have the right capabilities and usually what i've noticed is that uh, unprepared men don't have any problems in saying yes and just going for it uh and uh, i'm sorry for um being well depicting this uh um uh 
that way, but it's something that uh, I've noticed more recently. Uh, maybe I'm paying more attention. Uh, and I've also participated in a, a publication in the about gender equity, and we had to do a lot of research on, on that. So maybe I'm a little bit more aware of those uh, types of things. So I, I do think that uh, we have to have more women saying yes um, and uh, not always questioning them, themselves so much. And I think that I, I've all, uh, I've, and uh, looking at myself, I've always done my, uh, uh, a little bit of that questioning and whether I'm, I'm, am I the right person, a little bit feeling the imposter syndrome, but I, I always shove that uh, to the side. No, I'm going to say, yes, there's an opportunity. If there's any additional preparation to be done, I will prepare myself afterwards so no no problem saying yes right now so um i think that yeah th there there is going back to your question there there is prejudice there is a glass ceiling but i do think uh that it's up to the our uh, up to the individuals uh, as well to uh to lean more to lean forward like one woman uh said uh and um not being a afraid to uh, put yourselves uh, uh, out there in a way. Amazing. Thank you so much. That's a really great message. And now the same question to uh, Miss Ice. So uh, looking back, I will just repeat it to refresh your mind. Looking back, have you ever had any achievement in your life for the sake of proving that you could do it despite being a woman? So please go ahead. So thank you for the question. Uh, I, I will say the same thing. I think I was uh, lucky enough that despite the traditional roles for men and women in our society, I wasn't brought up with a mindset that men and women uh, do anything. So therefore, I never had to prove that, prove uh, I did it despite just being a woman. But this mindset that men and women can do anything also encouraged me to have higher education without thinking that I cannot do it. So I think this, uh, be, even I never faced uh, such traditional uh, effect, but I also believe some women also experiences uh, such things. So this is also an issue uh, for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, now for the next question, Marta. So my question is, uh... Uh, in the pharmaceutical industry, as in other sectors, we usually see men in top positions, like Ms. Hemos was saying. How do you in interpret the reason for the situation and what steps can we take to change the situation? And I'll have Emma answer first, Ms. Hemos. Yes, I, I think I've mentioned some of the some of the things. Uh, I, uh, once I, I saw... Uh, because uh, although, of course, every individual is, a, is an individual, uh, and uh, of course, we are all different, but there are some uh, commonalities between the majority of women and the majority of men. Uh, and uh, I think that there are there is some research that uh, shows uh, that in a way. Uh, and uh, there is this very interesting documentary from um, Michael Moore, so this guy from the US, and it's about... 
uh, and it's about um, uh, which country should we conquer next. Uh, and uh, uh, basically, he goes to different countries and he uh, identifies good practices and, and says that America should conquer that. Um, and what... Um, well, in different countries, it's, it's different things. Like, for instance, in, from Portugal, it was like the our drug um, legislation. Uh, and uh, for Iceland, it was uh, the effort um, the, that Iceland has done in terms of uh, ensuring uh, gender equity. And the example that they, they, they give, and this is an interesting thing, is that uh, uh, Iceland had a big financial crisis and all the banks went, rent, went, uh, went bankrupt. Uh, so, uh, so the banking si system uh, had uh, a lot of problems. And the only bank in Iceland that did not go bankrupt was the bank that was administered by women. And... Uh, and basically, they also did some research and basically they ended up uh, seeing that the uh, women are um, usually more uh, cautious when they're investing. Uh, and um, again, think, uh, thinking things through, etc. And why am I saying this? Uh, because often we, uh, we, um, we tend to think that women uh, have to be, well, often, well, some may think that women have to be more like men to be in leadership positions. Uh, and uh, I think that if we have more women in leadership positions, uh, that will change, um, that perception will change because women, women will still be women with woman qualities and, um, uh, and uh, characteristics, and we will still be able to lead. And this was very important for me to understand now after 20 years, uh, in different leadership positions. I always thought that uh, if I really, really wanted to be in the top, top, top position, I had to be a little bit more assertive. I had to be a little more aggressive. I had to be a little bit more like men when they're at the table and they're negotiating. And nowadays, I know that this is not true. We can be empathetic. We can be uh, cautious. Uh, we can be kind uh, and we can be um, um, more like a consensus kind of leader and we can still be a leader and that can be the right thing for the organization at that time. Uh, so I think that this is uh, an important thing that I've um, come, to, come to understand is that I don't have to change traits in my personality to be a leader. Um, uh, and uh, and but uh, but I do think that we need more women leaders with uh, uh, being women <laughs> to uh, for the society to understand that it's also possible to lead uh, with those uh, characteristics. Uh, so I think that the more we achieve this, um, the more this will be. Uh, clearer for the society and people will be more comfortable having women uh, in leadership positions because unfortunately in many circumstances it's because of women that women are not in leadership positions uh, and we have to say that uh, and I think that uh, we can't beat around the bush and not be uh, completely straightforward we have a lot of women very um, uh, helpful uh, and instrumental mentoring women in leadership. And I've known uh, 
uh, a few, fortunately, but we also have women that are not helpful at all uh, for women to occupy uh, leadership positions as as um, as men, of course. But uh, but I think that uh, again, I think that um, we have to continue this transformative uh, movement. Uh, and but we have we also have to accelerate it, uh, and to accelerate that movement, I think that it, it's up to uh, individuals also, like I said, to lean forward, to say yes, uh, and to uh, and to prepare themselves well for the uh, for the um, for the context that they will encounter. Thank you so much, Miss Emma. Now I'll give the floor to Miss Aisu. So uh, in pharmacy and other health sciences like uh, nursing, majority of the workforce and students are women, but we don't see them in leadership position. And uh, this is the something uh, we know. And due to their caregiving responsibilities, uh, women may have to take a leave of absence from work uh, which could also delay for them from achieving higher level positions. And enhancing work-life balance within organizations, early leadership engagement, and access leadership opportunities uh, can be the key actions for improving gender balance in women uh, leadership. And I also agree, Emma, that mentoring programs can be also very uh, supportive, especially in early uh, careers for women. And for me, uh, my faculty, uh, we have many women deans over the years. And at FIP, we have the first uh, woman a CEO. So I believe uh, there is a good progression on this issue, like increasing the awareness all around the world and also developing the FIPWISE toolkit for positive practice uh, environments in women leadership can be also uh, shows how FIP uh, reflects about this uh, women leadership uh, situation. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. So last but not least, Miss Bianca, do you have anything to add? Thank you, Marta. Yeah, I would have, um, I, I would bring another perspective, even though I agree with Emma. Um, I think that this, uh, I don't know, gender inequality is a historical uh, issue and it's, it has been there for a lot of years. So I think that the mindset shift is very hard to achieve uh, in a, on a rapid um you know on a rapid way and i think that where we should um i don't know maybe invest is education i think that it, it's essential from like early ages to educate both males and females in terms of uh, this issue uh and then another perspective uh which i know that emma mentioned not being uh, really the 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 best option uh with the quota uh, gender quota and I would say I mean I'm I don't believe in siloed approaches I think that the the approaches that we we give to this issue should be a comprehensive one um, and I think that even though gender quota is very uh, is very controversial um, I think it is a mechanism that can temporarily temporarily it's a very good uh, word and I would underline that 
it's a it's a it's a mechanism that could work and uh, i would give an example because also uh, emma mentioned there is research that shows that um the companies are more profitable if they have like women leaders um and we have the usually the gender quota is in politics and uh, I would give just an example because I'm I'm in, I'm in Brussels. So Belgium introduced the gender quota in politics back before 1999, and they started from a 16% uh, representation uh, women representatives in the Chamber of Representatives, and in 2007 they had 38%. Um, and I think that even though I mean the gender quota should not be for an unlimited time because this is not healthy. But I think it's a temporary, temporary mechanism in order to support the mindset shift. Because uh, I think that this there are so many years of uh, uh, wrong mind, mindset. I would say that I think that the the mechanism should be um, from different uh, angles and should be somehow uh, collaborative. Thank you. Thank you for your perspective, Miss Bianca. Uh, Susanna, with the second question. Yeah, sorry. After all we have talked about so far, I'd like to know your point of view about the following. So do you think that women being included in the workplace for only diversity reasons is a positive step? And I want to give the word to Miss Ace, please. So similar to gender quota, uh, I think I believe it can be a temporary solution in some places, regions, or countries, but it may not be a solution for all. Uh, to solve this problem, uh, I think we must uh, do needs-based assessment for young professionals and women in science and education from all regions to understand uh, what really can solve the problem. And then uh, we can provide uh, specific solutions based on the regions, countries, and the places. So the one fits for all approach uh, will not be uh, applicable for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Aysu. I know that Ms. Bianca already talked about in the last question, but you would like to add something more, Ms. Bianca? Uh, I I would I would add the fact that I mean from my point of view positive discrimination and pos uh, positive discrimination I would say so uh, uh, diversity uh, I think uh, in a silo approach would would have the potential to jeopardize actually the process so I can agree with positive discrimination if it's supported by other indicators such as competence knowledge. I mean, not alone, not just for the sake of uh, inclusivity and diversity, but rather, okay, what are the indicators that we are looking at when uh, choosing someone in a position or including someone um, uh, there? And I think it's knowledge, competence, meritocracy. Uh, I think the, the, the indicators should support this type of um, diversity uh, inclusion. Thank you so much, Ms. Mink. And now for, uh, I want to know the, the point of view of Ms. Emma, please. Yes, uh, so I hate quotas, <laughs> but 
I understand uh, and acknowledge that they can accelerate the process. Because if we want to prove, like I said, that uh, women can do it, that women can be ahead of uh, banks and be in the leadership positions, and we can be there with the characteristics that are usually associated with women, we have to have women there. So I do agree that it can be a temporary solution. Uh, and it can accelerate because at the at the pace we're at, it will take like 150 years uh, to achieve equity. And I think that I certainly do not have 150 years. Uh, so I, I do think that it can be. Uh, I do agree with Bianca that uh, it shouldn't it should be uh, considered alongside meritocracy and the characteristics of the individual and to ensure that the people that are then included in this um, in this um, uh, diversity uh, quotas or um, uh, positions uh, that uh, uh, people are well prepared and uh, to contribute and they are given the opportunity to contribute you can't uh, just have people there for the sake of uh, just saying that you have a woman, a woman there, or a young person there, or um, an ethnic minority uh, person there. You have to really give the person the floor and the chance to contribute and to prove themselves. Uh, so I do agree that they can. This can be a temporary solution, and it uh, in some cases uh, maybe it's the only uh, solution, and it's the only mechanism uh, uh, whereby we can ensure that women start to uh, to participate or or other. Uh, minorities start to to participate and particularly uh, be leaders or any other uh, or be in any other uh, positions. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Although I, I hate it, I think it's uh, probably necessary. Thank you for sharing your opinion, Miss Emma. Now, uh, the next question of mine is. Uh, how do you feel about the progress that women have already achieved so far? And do you think that it can be jeopardized moving forward? So basically, is there only going up or do you see another way? So, Miss Emma, would you like to uh, be the first? No, I definitely think that uh, there are several things that can jeopardize it. Uh, I, I Sue has already mentioned the work-life balance and the fact that women usually uh, take some time off um, uh, due to uh, pregnancy and uh, uh, other type of uh, family uh, affairs and usually when there's a person that's uh, sick in the family it's women that usually take some time off and uh, usually occupy the informal caregiver role and we've seen that also uh, uh, we've done a report in the FIP about informal caregivers and the vast majority are women of course uh, they are the ones you who are usually taking care of um, el the elderly at home, etc. Uh, and I think that uh, with the with the increase in terms of the uh, uh, increased pressure on efficiency for companies, uh, and um, uh, it can again, um, it, it may seem like uh, uh, hiring a woman. Uh, may pose a threat for the efficient efficiency of the company so companies may prefer to hire men and to have men uh just for just because they can't afford uh having people take time out uh, time off or uh or having breast uh feeding uh time and uh, things like that so i think that uh, we definitely have to 
consider that when we are talking about labor legislation? Uh, and uh, how do we ensure that companies are not penalized for uh, hiring women uh, and um, that we create uh, environments in big companies, et cetera, that are conducive to uh, women being able to bring their children and have daycare in the facilities uh, or uh, uh, things like that. So I really think that uh, this um, uh, that this discussion is important. And also I've been, this has been more like the past couple of weeks or three weeks from now because I saw this um, I saw this uh, woman presenting her herself and presenting her case about a transgender uh, men uh, women woman now uh, that was participating in uh, women's sports uh, and uh, they were talking about uh, yeah the uh, he actually wasn't transgender but he said that he identified as a woman. Uh, and he was allowed to compete with the women and was winning everything. So it was like a swimming competition. Um, so I think that this whole discussion about um, ID identities and uh, this will also have an impact in this gender discussion. And we have to acknowledge that it will have an impact. Uh, and uh, we, ha we have to start including that in the discussion as well the what it means for people to identify as both genders uh, and uh, men saying that they experience uh women's um um that were until today women's unique experiences like the menstrual cycle or period and now men saying that they feel it the same the same because i identify uh, as a woman and yeah, I think that this is a, a, a very complex topic and a very complex discussion, but I really think that if we don't tackle it now uh, and we include it in this gender equity discussion, uh, we will uh, maybe this will have the, the effect of jeopardizing the progress that we've done so far. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, and now, Ms. Aisu, how do you feel about the progress women have already made? And do you think it can be jeopardized? Uh, thank you, uh, Philip. So I'm very positive. Uh, there's a great progress and awareness about the issue compared to past. Uh, for example, uh, one of FIP's initiative called FIPVICE is developed to champion and enable women in pharmaceutical sciences and pharmacy education to achieve their fullest potential and to attract female students and young professionals into these fields. And we also have FIP DG10 equity and equality uh, goals. And under this uh, development goal and program, FIP also developing many uh, initiatives, uh, projects, and programs. And I am also familiar with other organizational initiatives, uh, like uh, from Women in Global Health. And on, I don't want to believe it can be jeopardized by men. So women uh, must fight for their rights, and we must work with men uh, with shoulder to shoulder on this issue. And we must also include men uh, to have uh, equal equality and equity uh, uh, for women. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. And the same question for Ms. Bianca. Thank you. I feel like the achievements uh, so far or this entire process is like a train that has already um, started going and it's a process that's, um, I mean, very hard. I think from my point of view, the jeopardizing will be possible uh, by different external factors. But I think that what can really can jeopardize the process is exactly what I was saying about the siloed approaches and that could lead to some extremes. As we were talking about positive discrimination, if we don't actually manage to uh, integrate it in a, in a more comprehensive uh, uh, system or approach, um, it may be that these extremes I think that may may jeopardize the process uh, and can actually go to to less trust in the process or the possible achievements of the process. So I think that's that's why, and I agree with with uh, Emma that we need to to bring to the discussions to the discussion that we have on these different uh, um, topics, different I don't know um, situations that we are dealing with right now, in order to to be able to to tackle them maybe earlier than <laughs> uh, than later when it maybe can be late and can go to some extremes. So um, I would believe that uh, even though I'm saying it, uh, I don't know how many times, but uh, the underlying the fact that we really need collaborative approaches and to think about it in a more systemic um, uh, perspective, not really um, individualistic one. Thank you so much. So I'll now be starting with Ms. Aisu. So Ms. Aisu, what advice would you give to younger, uh, to your young, younger version of yourself? And how would you encourage young women to conquer their dreams? Uh, thank you for the question, Marta. Uh, I would advise myself to be more confident and stop uh, worrying about those who were trying to discourage me to follow my passion in science and education uh, because in Turkey it is easy path to go for opening a community pharmacy where you can uh, earn more uh, but I didn't choose this path and I might advise my younger version that uh, do not waste your time even thinking about it <laughs> So, but I know in other countries, the community pharmacy practices are also different, but it is a situation in our country. And for younger women, uh, I encourage you to be hardworking, never lose your sight of what is important. And yes, you can do it. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Aisu. I'll now be asking the same question to Ms. Bianca. Thank you. How many? time do we have for this <laughs> joking but, uh, <laughs> uh, I think I, I would say that I mean just be bold and be curious to explore uh, I know that strategic planning and the very certain uh, I don't know uh, plans are more comfortable just take risks uh, be open to explore new things new paths new areas you have time to do that um, and it can be possible um, and also, I think that you should not uh, take into consideration those that want to put you down and uh, just be confident in yourself and be authentic and genuine. Don't try to fit in in 
I don't know what uh, pattern, I don't know what uh, perfect image. Just be yourself. And um, as uh, Rukaya, I saw that she, she wrote in the chat that there are not so many opportunities for women in India. Just look for outside of India, look for scholarships, um, look for, I don't know, exchanges that are, are, are possible. Just just try to, to, to follow your dreams, even though in, uh, not in the, your immediate context. Um, yeah, and that basically, I would say to my younger self, but also to other to other women. Thank you, Miss Bianca. Now the same question to Miss Emma. Yes, yeah, so I've mentioned it before about the importance of saying yes, uh, and uh, I just realized this because uh, I was talking to this uh, uh, this man <laughs> from uh, the International Pharmaceutical Federation, and he was uh, congratulating congratulating me for something, uh, achieving something in the organization. Um, maybe it was when I was elected for the executive committee. And I, I, I told him, well, really, I don't know how I got here. And he said, well, I know perfectly well how you got here. You just kept saying yes. And at that moment, it, just, it was just a click in my mind. Yes, that's exactly it. I just kept saying yes to the challenges, to the opportunities, to the learning opportunities, to uh, being mentored, uh, to having a chat with some, uh, to, to, with some people talking about their own experience. So uh, I, I would say to myself, just keep saying yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's what I would say. Uh, and uh, yeah, and for all other women uh, out there, young women, I would say the same. Uh, don't, uh, don't um, double think. Don't, uh, don't, um, uh, yeah, just do it. Lean forward and uh, just take the seat at the table. You'll, you'll manage it fine. Thank you, everyone, and thank you. I'll be taking your words throughout my life from now on. Unfortunately, this is our last question. And throughout the panel, we talk a little bit about the dynamics between work and personal life. But I would like to ask for a final note on the subject. So how do you manage to balance your work life with your personal family life? And I want to give the word to Miss Bianca, please. Thank you. This is a tough one. Uh, <laughs> because, I mean, we were used to really, uh, I was, I was, I, as I was saying about the proving and uh, keep going, I used to be a uh, workaholic. I still am from time to time, uh, but I'm on the process of uh, healing that, uh, that uh, problem. Uh, and I think that the, um, I, I think that you, if you don't have enough resources for yourself, you can't really deliver and contribute to others or for others or for other projects. And I, there is a quote that I really like. Uh, it says that you can't pour from an empty cup. Um, and that's why I, how I see it in terms of uh, just take care of yourself, um, of your needs, of your hobbies, of your family. Um, and I think that the highlight of my last year was exactly this. I learned how to take care of myself. I discovered new hobbies. I returned to, to some old ones. I love to host my community of friends. So I did that because it, it was good for my mental health. Um, and I think I, I, I'm um, a very, not now I wouldn't say dependent, but for me, my community of people is super important. 
And I, I would say that it's important to take care of uh, who is around you and to be those that are really good for your mental health. And now with the work, uh, work life, uh, work life balance in terms of, I think I'm, I'm in the process. Uh, I still do mistakes, but I think um, it's, it's human. Uh, but I, what, what I can say is that you need to take care of yourself and you think about, okay, what are the needs? And that's my, that's my purpose. It's okay. What are my needs, um, in terms of like me, uh, as a person, uh, and that's how I managed to, to balance it, which can be challenging sometimes. Yes. Thank you so much for all the things you share with us today, Miss Bianca. And now the same question for me, Miss please. I am a very organized person, I must say. So I take notes for every task and schedule it. Uh, balancing my personal and work life isn't an issue uh, for me when everything goes with the schedule <laughs> and with the plan. But I am also trying to be learn learning to be flexible and uh, not put too much pressure on myself when the plans go wrong. And since I am able to organize everything, I can enjoy uh, my moments with work and also leisure activities. And uh, now I am not doing any folk dance, uh, but I am meeting with my friends, doing pletes, visiting some nearer places for sightseeing, and I, all, I can also see many places all around the world when I am in business trips for FIP and for academia. So I, I am trying to manage uh, work life and uh, my personal uh, life, uh, like scheduling everything in my agenda. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. I identify with you because I have an agenda and I follow that. Also, thank you so much. And now, last but not least, I um, want to give the word to Miss Eva. Yes, <laughs> so thank you. Well, mm, I must. I, I don't. I, I don't work forty hours a week. Uh, I work. I work much more than that. <laughs> so, uh, and I like it. Uh, and before, I, I think I was a little bit um, uh, embarrassed to say that. In some instances, working and particularly being on, in organizations and representing people is a hobby for me. I really like to, uh, I, I enjoy it and I like to do it. I like to read about pharmacy. I like to discuss about pharmacy. Uh, so uh, I do uh, tend to do a lot around pharmacy. Also, like I mentioned, my husband is a pharmacist, so at home, we usually have a lot of discussions about how to move forward with our companies and uh, in and our uh, work life. But I also, like I mentioned, uh, I really enjoy music. I love uh, watching TV. Uh, I'm a multitasker. Uh, I know that according to research, you really can't multitask. Uh, it's not physically and scientifically possible but I love watching TV series whilst I work <laughs> so I do I, I tend to do that a lot um so I um and I have uh, uh, a lot of friends who are waiting outside for me to have to uh, celebrate my birthday are friends that I have from high from uh, secondary from uh, primary school 
So the two girls I showed with my sister when we were out at Coachella, they, they are friends from primary school. So we've kept in touch. We go to a lot of concerts to get together uh, and we discuss about movies and films. And uh, we, uh, we, we always take at least one week per year to go the three of us uh, somewhere, someplace. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm a very uh, efficient person. I'm also very organized, uh, like uh, Isu uh, mentioned, uh, but I, I do organize a lot of work outside working hours, uh, I must say. <laughs> but uh, it's quite okay for me. It's uh, It has worked for me. Uh, and whenever, but uh, it is very important to be conscious about your own limits uh, and to uh, be uh, aware of your, uh, of your mental health. So whenever I feel that I need to take time off, I take time off. And uh, I uh, do spend, um, uh, now when I travel, for instance, I always uh, uh, get like two extra days so I can visit the place. And uh, and uh, I like driving a lot. And whilst I'm driving, I'm not answering emails. So that's fantastic for me. I can't multitask at that time. So it's something that I do as well. I drive a lot. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I try to balance uh, that way. But uh, mostly I think that uh, every person in, is an individual, but we do have to take care of our, our mental health. And if you feel that uh, you need uh, time for yourself, then definitely take it. Yeah. Thank you so much for answering all our questions. So unfortunately, we have come to the end of the panel discussion, but I am sure everyone learned a lot and is inspired to uh, move on uh, forward. Uh, so thank you again for our speakers for joining us and thank you to the participants for joining and as well as my uh, team, Ms. Susanna, Ms. Marta, for uh, uh, moderating the panel discussion.